a lot of chattering magpies today. <laughs> Good morning. Very good. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting, I don't know which way I'm going anymore when I walk. Well, winter's coming. That happens. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm afraid mine's winter and summer anymore. Oh, my. It was winter, but. All right, folks. We're going to pray. But if you want to start flipping towards Second Chronicles, that's where we're going to be today. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just ask that you bless this time of us looking into your word and looking at these these ideas of, of, of leadership and wisdom god we just we just ask that your holy spirit just does a does a cool thing with us this morning and it shows us something special we pray this in jesus name amen i guess i should have put mine on vibrate too <laughs> we're going to look at two passages this morning the uh we're going to start out actually Second Chronicles chapter one, and then we're going to we're going to flip someplace else here shortly. If my phone rings, I'm sorry because I don't know what it is. That's all right. We'll forgive you. I brought, I brought it in, but you know, one time I was preaching at New Life. I've got it on audio or video. It was really kind of cool. I, I said Jesus is calling, and somebody's phone goes. Thring! I'm like, it's like I couldn't I couldn't have staged that if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's cell phone went off as soon as I said, Jesus is calling, and they're filming off. It's like, oh my goodness. Now in Chronicles, um, particularly Second Chronicles, we're going to be looking at another father-son. We're going to start out looking at Solomon. Um, of course, we know Solomon succeeded David. You know, wasn't his oldest son. You know, so just the fact that he was appointed king was a little bit out of the ordinary. But he, he has a really cool, there's a really cool story here. We're going to look at godly leadership. We're going to read this chapter. Um, this is Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. So we see right off the bat that it wasn't just, you know, God's hand was definitely on this thing of appointing Solomon. It just wasn't, I know Bathsheba was, you know, kind of doing her little thing, trying to influence David, but, but God, God was in it. You know, we also see, where else do we see that? You know, if, if kind of by the law of the land, the way things went back then uh, with Abraham, Ishmael would have been, had gotten everything. <laughs> he, you know, and that's, in fact, to this day, that is a lot of the tension between Islamics and Jewish people, you know, over Israel. You know, the Gaza Strip, particularly the Gaza Strip thing that they, they're killing each other over, was by, by all rights, the um, Ishmael should have inherited it all, and he should have distributed what he wanted to, to Abraham's other brothers, but that's not the way it went. The, the promise was coming through Isaac. He, you know, so... So even though in air rules, a lot of times, you know, was oldest son, you know, got everything, distributed everything, God's, God's plan not sometimes shifted. It wasn't, he, he, he's not bound by air rules. You know, he's sovereign. You know, he, he does what he wants. You know, so we, we, we see that even, even though that Solomon was not the oldest, God, God was with him. Uh, verse 2 says, And Solomon spoke to all of Israel, to the commanders of thousands, and commanders of hundreds, 
to the judges and all the leaders in Israel, the heads of the families, and Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high places of Gibeon. For God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses the Lord's servant had made in the desert. Now David had brought up the ark of God from Kirith Jerim to the place that uh, he had prepared for it, because he had pitched the tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar and Bezel son of Uriah, the son of, the, of her, uh, had made uh, had made was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. So 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 Solomon is is going to these places, that, you know, where he is he's expected to inquire of the Lord. So so he's doing the right thing at this point. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord and the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. A thousand burnt offerings, isn't that kind of an extravagant thing? You know, so early out, Solomon is really showing, you know, respect, the respect he, he, he needed to for, for the Lord. And what was kind of interesting is the fact that, and this is something that we see where he just walked up, he was able to do this before the bronze altar. You know, only the high priests and, 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 and king, you know, there was only certain people that even had the ability to access the, the, these places. Uh, that night God, and this is where it starts getting cool, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Solomon answered God, you have shown me great kindness, you have shown great kindness to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now Lord God, let the promise of my father David be confirmed, for you have made me a king over a people who are a numerous, who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead your people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And, and, and I always, whenever I talk about this story, and we're going to look at God's response here in a second. I always, I always talk about the genie in the bottle. He, you know, it's it's almost kind of there is no genies in bottles. Trust, I'm not saying, but it's kind of like that story of you know somebody would find the lamp and they would rub it and the genie, hey, I'll give you give you three wishes. Well, God comes to him in the dream saying, you know, inquire me what you want me to give you. You know, God's, God's almost like giving him a blank check. You know, what do you want? Now, now, the question that you would have to ask is we only see because he answered the correct way. You know, what if he'd said something wrong? What if he'd said, okay, God, I'd like, uh, like about a thousand more camels. Um, I'd, I'd like, would God have answered that prayer? Don't know. You know, I wish I had. However, but what we do know is that Solomon gave God an answer that was selfish, self, 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 selfless. You know, something that, that, that he wasn't asking for stuff. You know, in fact, he even, he even, when he was, he was even pointing out, you know, God's kindness and favor to his father. And, 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 you know, he didn't ask for stuff for himself. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead your people. Could you? That's a pretty cool thing to ask. And you want to know what God gave it to him? Verse 8. Uh, no. Verse 11. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, riches, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, for whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. 
And I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, uh, such as no king uh, who was ever before you ever, and none after you will have. You know, so here, this is kind of an interesting thing. Because Jesus tells us that anything we ask in his name, you know, we're going to get. He, you know, it's, you, you know, again, there's, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a principle that we see here. Those things that we ask for, you know, have to be for the, the furtherance of his kingdom, the betterment of his people. So, so Christ does, we, we do get these things we ask for in, in unselfish ways, things that we ask for, you know, to help out our brothers and, and everything. And, and God did give him this stuff. But here was the kind of cool thing. God didn't stop there. God was basically saying, because you asked for this, this, un, this selfless thing, this, this unselfish thing, this, this, this great thing, I'm also going to give you the other stuff. You know, so where else have we kind of seen this? Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll add all the rest. You know, so this is a principle that we see throughout the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of God. And that's kind of what he was doing here. He was saying, you know, give me, there's a lot of people. He, he was over a lot of people. You know, you know what, at work, I'm over just a little bit of people. And, and I realize sometimes I'm not smart enough. You, you know, I'm, I'm just over a small group of people and I need more wisdom. You know, I can't imagine Solomon, you know, he's talking, he, he's lead, he's saying that the people that he, that, that he's over out, outnumbers the dust of the, you know, the earth. He had a big group of people. You know, the, the, the Hebrew people were very numerous at this time. And he realized, hey, I may be in it over my head. I need wisdom. You know, I need knowledge. So I think this is a, uh, this is an indication of a good leader. You know, some a good leader always puts others' needs and wants, the, the stuff that they really truly need above their own. Because if God had asked that to many other people at the time, I think they probably would have asked for the riches. You know, I can honestly say if, if God showed up in a dream for me and said, what would you like? I can't tell you I'd ask for the same thing. I'd like to be real, I'd like to be, uh, you know, I'd like to make it sound like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd do the right thing. And it's like, but I'm sitting man, if all my bills were paid, you know, man, he's like, oh, Lord, what? And, and I could even probably justify it. Well, if all my bills were paid, I, what, what can I do with the money that I make at work? I could, you, you know, but so it, somehow we, we often circle back to ourselves with a good leader shouldn't do that and, and we don't see Solomon doing that here and God did God blessed him but when, when you look at how much was bringing into the treasury every single day you know it was explained to me one time that Solomon was bringing in more gold every day than we've ever had in Fort Knox you, you, you know so God was blessing him now what's the downside of that sometimes Sometimes when God blesses us, we take things for granted. And all of a sudden, what do we see Solomon do? Solomon didn't always do the right thing. He, you know, he, he got so knowledgeable and so wise, all of a sudden he started trying to factor God out of the equation. He, you know, and sometimes, and I see this, I see this especially in higher education. When you start, when you start dealing with the people with PhDs and everything, they, sometimes they think they're just so smart. You know, and they've got the world by the tail. 
But it doesn't matter how smart you think you are or, or what, how much wisdom or knowledge or what, how many degrees are hanging on your wall. If, if, if Christ is not the center, you're missing the mark. And, and we see that in Solomon's life later. However, that's not actually the point of the message or what we're going to look at. We're going to look at his son now. His son was kind of a, he was kind of a different creature. We're just going to stay in Second Chronicles. But we're going to flip over to uh, chapter 10. There's, there's a kind of a, an interesting thing in the history of, of Israel. Up until this point that we're going to look at, Israel was a singular nation under one king. He, you know, first it was Saul. Actually, even before that, Saul it was it was a theocracy. It was, uh, I mean, they got the word straight through from from God through the prophet, but they were they were unified. They were one. So then they get this crazy idea they want a king. I still can't wrap my head around that. You know, you you were getting the words and the direction straight from God through a prophet, but you still wanted a king. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's the way it went. So they had Saul, and after Saul, they had David. And then even after David, they, 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 they had Solomon. But through these three kings, they remained one. But something happened. Have, have, you know, when you're reading, you remember talking about the, the two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom? They, they, they broke. It wasn't, it wasn't even that they broke in half. Only two, after what we were getting ready to read about, only two tribes remained faithful to the line of David. The other ten formed the, the, the northern kingdom. You know, so this kingdom was born out of rebellion. This northern kingdom was born out of rebellion because God was very clear that his blessing was on the line of Judah. It was through David. It was the same line that Messiah was going to come through. There, there, was no, there was no way you can read anything in the Bible and think that there was a possibility it was going to be any other way. So, so God's promises were coming through the, the tribe of Judah. Ten of them broke off. Why? We're getting ready to look at that. And, and I would like to make a point before we look at this, because this is a sign of somebody who was not a good leader. Solomon's son was not a good leader. If you look at... I can't remember off the top of my head. It was either each kingdom had 10 kings or 12 kings before the exile. But, but in this list, um, God talks about kind of his assessment of each of these kings. You, you know, this king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. This king did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if you look at all the 10 or 12, I think it's 10, but don't hold me to that if you look at every single northern king, not one single one of them did God ever said to write in the eyes of the Lord. Every single one of the northern kings were evil. And so does it matter of how things start? You know, when this northern king, did it make a difference of how it came about? It does make a difference. It was born out of rebellion towards God's promise. It was born out of rebellion out of the things that God said that he wanted to do through Judah. So the, the, the mere existence of the North Kingdom was, did not make God happy. Here's something interesting, too, to think about. When you look at the exile, you realize that they weren't taken at the same time. 
the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were not even taken by the same enemy, and they were taken at two different times. The northern kingdom was actually taken by the Assyrians before the southern kingdom. So they were even taken into captivity before God even handed the northern kingdom over to their enemies more quickly because they, they did what was wrong. They did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So, so nothing born out of rebellion could ever, it's, it's not going to do well. Well, we saw with Moses and Dathan and all these things. You know, any time that a group of people spoke out against God's promised person, the person he installed, in that case Moses, and in this case um, um, Solomon's son, bad things happened. They really, really did. Rebellion, God does not, he does not take well to rebellion, but that is not what this is about. Because this is, this is something... Chapter 10 speaks a lot about how, how we do things. So Rehoboam uh, went to, you're going to have to forgive me on some of these names. I don't care if I've got a doctor. I can't say him. Went to Shizim uh, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebit, heard this, uh, he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he, and he and all Israel went to Rehoboam. So Rehoboam is the guy we're talking about here. This is, this, this, is, this is the son, Solomon's son, that was going to be king, or is king at this point. And he said to them, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So what's... So Jeroboam is kind of, it ends up being that he's kind of representing the, the ten other tribes. I mean, the, yeah, the ten other tribes. You know, you, you know, your dad was kind of a hard guy. He's talking about Solomon. You, you know, talk about tax. You think, you think our taxes are bad? No, he, he, there was some serious taxation going on there. You, you know, so Solomon didn't end up being necessarily, a, a, you know, a good person in that way. He was hard on the people. So now Jeroboam's coming and talking to Rehoboam, he, you know, kind of representing these other these other tribes. Like your dad was a tough guy. You know, will you will you please consider lightening the load that's on their shoulders? So before we look at what he did, what would have been a good response to this? You know, would it have been yeah, you know what? Dad was kind of tough sometimes. You know, he was, you know, he, he did make things kind of rough. Let me, let me think about this. Well, he kind of did that, but we're, we're going to look at that. But a good response to, uh, for a leader may have been at least to have acknowledged what was going on and, and, and take it under consideration. But, but how, did, how did Rehoboam do this? So Rehoboam answered, verse 5, Come back to me in three days, so the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if you will be kind to those people, or these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So, so the elders, the wise guys, the smart guys, they're telling Rehoboam, you know what, back, let, back off of them. Give them what they want. If you give them what they want, they're going to they're they're be loyal to you. 
They're going to be forever your servants. And to me, that's wise counsel. You know, the Bible talks a lot about wise counsel, you know, godly counsel. You, you, you know, and that's that's why the uh, you know God help you if you're on the leadership team and you see some of these long emails I send out from time to time. You, you know, when I send these things out, it's because I, I'm looking for advice. This is what I'm thinking. Of course, then Barbara gets the the, the printed copy. <laughs> Barbara doesn't do email. There's nothing really wrong with old school. We just, there's just this understanding. Whenever I send something else, somebody prints a copy and gives it to Barbara. But a, a wise leader seeks good counsel. And he did do that. I'll give him that. But here's the difference a wise leader listens to the counsel that they're given. And if they don't, they should have a pretty good reason why. You know, they should have a reason why, you know what, you know, I really don't agree with you because of this, and that's why, or, or, or here's a good one, I've really prayed about it, and this is kind of the way God's leading me. I, I could see, you know, a situation like this, but we're instructed to go to wise counsel, and he did that, but he blows them off. He ignores them. Of course, I haven't read that yet, but he does. But here's, he also consulted somebody else, verse 10. The young men who'd grown up with him replied, Tell the people who have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, uh, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father uh, scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So, so we got... Now, so the, the guys he grew up with are like saying, don't take that junk off them. You, you know, make it worse. Show them, show them who the boss is. You, you know, you, you, you got you to lay down the foundation, buddy. You, you know, if you let them walk all over you right now, they're just going to keep walking all over you. You, you, just, you just tell them, you think dad was tough? I'm going to be worse. So, so now he has two voices in his head, two groups of voices. And we often find ourselves in this situation. Who, who do we take our counsel from? Who do we listen to? You know, are we listening to godly people? You know, there's a reason that the Bible tells us, you know, or asks us, you know, what fellowship does darkness have with light? Or light have with darkness, Sorry. The reason being, and because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to separate ourselves so much from the world that we're kind of like the Puritans and we're setting up our little utopia over here. In fact, in their high priestly prayer we looked at, Jesus said, you know, don't take them out of the world, but protect them in the world. So, so it was never God's intent for us to disconnect from our associations with the world, because that's how we reach them. But why? What's this deal with? You know, what fellowship does the light have with darkness? There's a difference between ministering to people and hanging with them and trying to be an influencer. It's another thing, you know, listening, taking their words to heart and trying to make them your own, becoming more like them. It's it's another thing sharing your most you know deepest concerns or or even if you're having a crisis of faith because we all have those from time to time. If we share these things outside of light. 
you know, with the world, we're going to get some bad advice. And this is kind of what this is kind of what Rehoboam's doing here. He's got two voices going on here. He's got the wise one. He's got what I would consider the worldly one. You know, so who does he listen to? So three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. And the king said, this is what he did. Come back to me in three days. The king answered them harshly, rejecting the advice of the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scores you with whips. I will score you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from God to fulfill the word that the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through, oh my goodness, Isaiah the Shinoite. <laughs> when all Israel saw the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part of Jesse's son? To your tents, O Israel, look after your own house, O David. So what are they saying? They're, they're saying that you're not listening to us. You don't care about us. What share do we have in this? We're not a part. You know, so now they're saying their, their advice was to the amongst themselves, take care of your own house. So when, when, the, king, when, when the king is, is given this godly advice, this, this, this wise advice, and this bad advice, he took the bad advice, and it literally split the kingdom in half. I can't even say in half. I mean, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin were the only two that, st- that remained, the, what became the southern kingdom. Everybody else rebelled. And that could have been, mind you, again, it was, it, it was prophesied that it was going to happen, so it was going to happen. You know, but, but on the flip side, you know, how often in our lives... Have, have we listened to the wrong people? And it sent us down trails that, 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 that cause us problems. It, it, it really makes a difference who you listen to. It really makes a difference. What if, I, I don't really see Rehoboam here even acquiring of the Lord. That's the first thing his dad did. You know, he went straight to the bronze altar, and, and and it's like he made his sacrifices. He was honoring God. He was doing everything he was supposed to do, and God blessed him. We, we see, we see. And I'm not saying that Rehoboam did not inquire of the Lord. It's just not there. So there's a good chance that he did not. He, he's going straight to the people. He's going to his peers. You know, so is there a lesson in that? You know, should we, whenever we have decisions or things coming up in our lives, should we first inquire the Lord the way Solomon did? You, you know, and I've often, I've often, let's go back to Solomon's dad, David. I've, I've, I've often pondered and banged this thing around in my head. God, how does God call David a man after his own heart? David was a shady guy a lot. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, you know, not like Jacob shading, you know, not, but, but he did things that just, 
You want to talk about a murder? I, I mean, he would smite you and not even think twice about it. I, I, I mean, think about the think about the poor dummy that, that that tried to take credit for killing Saul. You know what he do? He killed him. You know how dare you lay, lay a hand on on the anointing of God? You, you know we we see we see David, and we also know because he was a man of violence, it did keep him from building the, the temple. You know, so that did catch. Why? What? What made David a man after God's own heart? One of the things I, I, I see is when when David was called to, called out on the stuff that he did, he repented. The the uh, so he did return to God any any time that you know he was kind of checked. <laughs> you know, you're messing up here. But I also see what makes, you know, we've, spent, we've been spending a good bit of time in the Psalms. We really get to see a good bit of David's heart in many of the Psalms. You know, he was, he, he was, he, he was, a, he was a writer. <laughs> you, you know, not all the Psalms are David. You know, we, we've talked about that. I mean, some trace back all the way to Moses' time. Some of them we can trace, you know, to the time of the exile. But, but if you look in the very beginning of the psalm, if it says it's a psalm of David, then David wrote it. What we see is he was very vulnerable to, to, to God. You know, he, he, he brought things to God all the time. When he was feeling crushed, he brought it to, to, he brought it to God. When he was feeling alone, he brought it to God when, when he felt that he was in trouble. He was in trouble quite a few times. He brought it to God. He, you know, so we, we still see a little bit of that in, 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 in Solomon, you know, from the very beginning. He's, he's making the sacrifices. He's doing all the stuff a good king should do. He's inquiring of the Lord. So maybe Rehoboam's first mistake was not inquiring of the Lord. And, and then... When he didn't seek the Lord's guidance, then he starts listening to multiple multiple people. He does the right thing. He goes to, to godly counsel, and he goes to not so godly counsel. Now think about think about this too. The young men that he grew up with, who would they have been? They, they would have been, you know, kind of the entitled rich kids too. I mean, not everybody had access to the king's child. You know, so I'm sure that his his friends he's talking about. I mean, they probably grew up with influence and and, and power, and they probably thought very highly of themselves. I, I mean, I might be being a little presumptuous here, but but just think about it. You know, for them to have been the guys he grew up with, I, I mean, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the slave kid on the corner. <laughs> you know, so I think there's a lot of lessons in here for us to learn. I think, well, especially if you're in leadership. There's a lot of people in this room here that's in leadership, even in this church. We need to be first inquiring of the Lord. That that's uh, do a good bit. That's that's the whole thing that Sunday or Wednesday prayer meetings are about. These two ladies get together and they they pray. I was supposed to do this last Wednesday, but I locked my keys in my truck and I. You didn't get my message in you. <laughs> The, I would suggest that, you know, even if you don't come to Wednesday Bible meeting, in your prayer closet, ask God's wisdom. Ask for his guidance and his direction. You know, find somebody to pray with. You know, grab a friend. Grab an anybody. 
who's a believer. You know, come to Wednesday, come to Wednesday prayer meeting. Because we're two or three and we're gathered together, guess what? He's in the midst. And what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You know, so one of the keys to the success of any ministry, any church, any life, is how much you're talking to God. We see that. Why was David, why was David so successful? We saw he talked to God a lot. You know, we see a lot of his prayer life written out in Psalms. It was very intimate. It was very detailed. I mean, he, he came to the Lord. So we need, to, we need to, as a body, be praying for this church, be praying for each other. The, and sometimes, though, sometimes when we pray to the Lord, we, I mean, we feel clear direction. We, 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 we go that way. Sometimes it feels like God's being silent. What do you do then? You, you know, here, here's the thing about God. He's always talking. <laughs> you, you know, it's one of these things of, you, you know, are we, do we have so many of the voices of the world in our head or just some of the noise? When you got, you're going through trials and tribulations and stuff. There's just so much. You know what, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about white noise? You know, the old... You know, the old TVs and, you know, before cable and you, you didn't have a, a TV signal and it was all white. It's like, <laughs> that's white noise. You know, sometimes when, sometimes when we have so much stuff going on in our lives, you know, if something went bad in our finances, something went bad in our health, something went bad in our marriage, something went bad somewhere, somebody passed away, somebody this, somebody that, that noise, <laughs> sometimes it makes it hard for us to hear God. Does it, do we stop, do we stop inquiring? Of the, no, we don't stop. But sometimes we allow the world and our circumstances drown out his voice. You know, God, God's voice is still a still, small voice. So what do we do then? We do what Rehoboam did the first time. That's when we come together with other believers and, and, and talk about it. Get wise counsel. You, you know, even the thing in James, you know, James encourages us to even, you know, come to, together and, and confess our sins to one another that we could be healed. You, you know, so that's, that's another time where it's important for us to come together with godly people. And coincidentally, and I think some, some of the, especially older, older churches, I mean, hundreds of years ago, have kind of taken that thing where, you know, confessing their sins, they felt like they had to get up front. And like, okay, I did this this week. You know, I messed up. You know, I need to be forgiven or I've been messing this up. And this is, again, why I really, really, really want to encourage you to find somebody to either pray with or to be tight with. These two are a good example. Look at these two, these two young ladies down here. I mean, they do stuff together, they pray together, they, 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 I mean, they're a team. You want to find these teams because in those times where that still small voice is, is so small, you want to have somebody to share those burdens with. Going back to James, somebody, if, if, somebody you can trust so that if you're messing up, you can say, this is, I've been doing this, I need prayer. You, you know, because here's the thing about and I promise I'm not going to get sidetracked here, but this is, this is an important thing to get with that. 
Yes, I do get sidetracked, I know. Is that when we confess sins in our lives, that the thing that holds us captive so often to sin is we're scared somebody's going to find out. It becomes, this, it becomes a wall that we build up to protect ourselves. If you just have one person that you can share those things to, James doesn't say go in front of the church and, and confess your sins. It's a, you know, share with one another. You're, Rick Warren, it's, he's, it wasn't his phrase. I just heard it from him. It's, you're only as sick as your darkest sin. You, you, you know, so when, when you find that, that, that fellowship, that fellowship with light that you can share with and, and you can talk about even your, your, your tough stuff, that's a freeing thing that frees you, that, that, that lets you go. But these, this is the same person that you should be coming together and praying for, looking for godly counsel from. And not looking for godly counsel from people who are not believers, people who don't understand you, people who, people who, who are not going to get your, your struggles with faith, your, you know, these, these, these different things that you go through. Because you're going to get all kinds of you're going to get all kinds of advice, you know, from the world that's that's, that's not it's not good. I, I I do know. Here's a perfect example, and I I plan on hitting this in the sermon a little bit. I I have zero issue with, with psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, medicines to help help. I have zero issues with these things, and we're actually going to touch that a little bit. But even who you're speaking to on a professional level, you need to be careful of where you're taking advice. I, I mean, I know for a fact that, that a, a, a psychiatrist in the area has, has told somebody that Jesus got himself killed because he was arrogant. Is that the kind of person you want advice from? That, that sounds almost like, that, that sounds almost like, you know, Rehoboam going and talking to his, his buddies he, he, he grew up with. You know, that's bad advice. So you have to be careful where you're getting your counsel from. So you, you acquire the Lord, just, just like David. Acquire from the Lord, just, just like Solomon. When, when, when you're feeling like your prayers are bouncing off the walls, or all you're hearing is that, 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 that white noise, reach out to that person. You need to be, we are a body of Christ. There, there, there's, that's not just some cool analogy you know, that, that, that Paul puts together. We are a body. Of, uh, we are the body of Christ. So we are built and designed to need one another. And, and again, it's, it's, we want to make sure we're connecting. We want to make sure we're connecting with the body of Christ and getting that godly counsel. Because if, if, if you're at work and, and you're talking to non-church people, you know, around the water cooler, and that's where you're getting advice. You're going to get some all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, a perfect example. You know, this is this is a fictitious example. This is just off the top of my head. You get a couple guys at the office around the water cooler. Man, I tell you, my wife, I, I just she drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. What should I do? I I, I just she nag 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 nag. She this. She's that. She's that. The buddies at the water cooler, what are they going to say? Non-ungodly guys at the water cooler, what are they going to say? Well, you need to get rid of that one. You need peace. There's too many fish out in the sea for you to be bogged down with that one. 
Oh, my goodness. But these are real conversations that happen. These are real conversations that happen. The, the, but we need to be careful where, where we reach out. Oh, man, it's 949 already. So I'll, I'll land this plane. I have time to set up my, my laptop and go get donuts. But we need to, we need to learn from the, the people from the Bible. History always repeats itself. It truly does. So if we are like David, if history repeated itself, even when we mess up, we come back to God, and he, he does cool things with us still. If we're like Solomon and, and we inquire of the Lord, you know, God did some crazy awesome things for, through Solomon. Even though he kind of started missing the mark and he got so self-sufficient, he stopped inquiring the Lord and we see what happened. But then we see Rehoboam, his son. He, you know, he, was, he didn't inquire of the Lord, not that we see. He listened to godly counsel, he listened to ungodly counsel, he went with ungodly counsel and it destroyed the, 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 the people of, of, of Israel. Uh, I mean, so it's, it, it's important that we too inquire of the Lord and listen to godly counsel Form those good, healthy relationships. Lean on those healthy relationships. Call them up. Have them pray with you. Come to Wednesday night. If, if, if you don't have anybody yet, come to Wednesday night. You know, we will, we will certainly pray with you. Is there any questions about any of this David, Solomon, Rehoboam stuff at all? Any comments? Uh-huh. Yes. Absolutely. I don't think knowledge and knowledge and wisdom are the same thing. I think you can be dumb as a hog and have a lot of I mean I like my grandfather. And I'm saying it doesn't matter. Oh, I know what you're saying. Wisdom and knowledge are two absolutely distinctly different things. The cool thing is, yes, yeah. There's a your discernment often comes from your wisdom. The um, but that was the kind of the cool thing with with Solomon. He asked for both, and he got both. And I, I can tell you that is absolutely correct. I, I, I've seen, I, I've seen well, science is a perfect example of this. I love science. I, I mean, I've been, a, I, I've been, a, I've studied science since I was a kid. I loved it so much that you know when I went back to college, like 25, 26 years later, I challenged the biology test and and actually still passed it and didn't have to take the class. I mean, because I studied it and I loved it that much. I, I'm very much, a, I'm very much into science. But I've seen some of the smartest people, intelligent people, knowledgeable people in the world of science, but when they misapply that intelligence, they come up with some pretty crazy ideas. However, when you use wisdom and you apply that knowledge properly, that can be an awesome thing. You know, that's, and that's why when it comes to science, and I'll leave it at this,
I believe science applied well through wisdom does nothing but scream of the existence of a creator who's still taking control. I mean, just, just, what are some of the things that we know about just, just our planet? You know, we have this perfect timed axis around the sun at just the right angle. You know, if, if the earth tilted one direction, one degree, one direction, we would freeze to death. If we tilted one degree the other direction, we would burn up. So there's this perfectly timed machine in the earth that, that, that we can exist in. You, you know, we have this moon that goes around us, controls the tides. You, you, you know, tells, t tells the tide when to come in and tells the tide when to go out. I, I mean, just even your bodies. You realize you have, in every single one of your cells, you have a nucleus. Inside those nucleus, you have positively charged uh, things in there. Here's, here's a law of, of, elect of electricity. Light charges repel. Ask Bill, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you. However, the fact that you're not exploding is a miracle. Because you have these, you have these positively charged you know, things inside every single nucleus. You know, so properly applied science screams that God has made this stuff and that God continues to pay very close attention to it and fine-tunes it and makes sure that everything's taken care of. But intelligence or, or knowledge applied incorrectly make us believe that, and this is the, this, we, talk, we hear people kind of take what, what Darwin said, but they, they've taken it way beyond that. If I went to the Museum of Natural Science one time on a field trip, and I, I sat there and I couldn't believe. This is how life started. A lightning struck a pool of protein, <laughs> and then when it fused it and it became life. So then it multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. Then it became like this, this tadpole-looking thing, which grew into this fish-looking thing, which grew into this gerbil-looking thing, that grew into a monkey-looking thing, that grew into us. You realize how ridiculous that is? I, I mean, knowledge applied incorrectly. It's, oh, absolutely. And the beautiful thing, and I can tell you because I, I look at this creation thing a lot, almost all evolutionists will, will admit now that, that they've, the way they have said it, 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 it's happened can't happen, but they don't have a better alternative yet outside of creation, so they just keep teaching it. That's a real thing. So there is a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom.